We ended up getting about a million dollars worth of orders in like four days. Hey, my name is Felix Tia, and I'm the host of Shopify Masters, a weekly podcast powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. Each week, we invite entrepreneurs like you to share what they've learned growing successful e-commerce businesses. In this episode, you'll learn what it's like to run a business on the side for a decade, what are the most important things to spend your time on early in your business, and what else other than production do you need to scale up when your business grows? Before our show, I wanted to let you know about Shopify Inbox. It's a brand new free sales channel you can set up right now in your admin. With Inbox, you can manage all the customer conversations from your store and social media in one place. Plus, chat anywhere, anytime using the mobile app or on the web. Most importantly, Inbox can help you close sales since 70% of Shopify Inbox conversations are with customers making a purchasing decision. Use the power of chat to turn browsers into buyers. For more information, visit shopify.com slash chat. Today I'm joined by Michael Pan from Pan's Mushroom Jerky. Pan's Mushroom Jerky is a plant-based snack made out of shiitake mushrooms with a delicious umami taste and satisfying meaty texture and was started in 2018 and based out of Portland, Oregon. Welcome, Michael. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so the inspiration behind this business, and we're just talking uh, off air about how you have multiple birthdays, uh, but I think the inspiration came from a trip to Malaysia. Tell us more about where the idea came from. Yeah, that's right. And um, so my uh, my mom is actually from uh, Peru, and uh, and my dad is from a uh, was born and raised in a small fishing village in Malaysia. And so um, when he was fourteen. My dad moved to the U.S. by himself. He didn't he didn't know any English, and uh, eventually supported himself through college. and um, And believe it or not, I actually grew up in Mississippi, uh, even though I may not sound like it. But um, and when and growing up there, I always felt disconnected from uh, my family heritage. And so uh, I loved living there, but just yeah, I always felt disconnected. And uh, so I loved visiting uh, my extended family overseas, and uh, would go visit and try to learn as much as I could. And on, so during one of these visits to Malaysia, uh, there was a bowl of food on the table. I had no idea what it was, and I was decided to try it. And actually, initially, I thought it was a pork snack. And uh, but I was super confused because my my family who fed it to me were vegetarian. And so uh, that's when I learned uh, really quickly that it's actually a mushroom uh, that I was eating. And so I found out that uh, my cousin had been making this snack for himself for his family. Uh, and selling it locally. Um, and as vegetarians, uh, they had a hard time finding foods that not only taste great, but also a really, uh, really great, satisfying texture. And they found that mushrooms were not only, you know, came with a lot of health benefits, but uh, they were very satisfying uh, in terms of texture as well. And so what this, this trip did was it really opened my eyes to, to an amazing culture uh, that with innovative foods that, uh, that I had a connection with that have been mimicking the taste and texture of meat for, for a long, long time. And so uh, after I heard the story, I, I fell in love with the product, its history. Um, that's when I knew our family had a snack that, that needed to be shared with the rest of the world. And uh, that's when I decided to launch Pan's Western Turkey, uh, actually part-time. Yeah. So you, you recognize that there was a, a great product. Um, you're, you said your family's already selling this overseas. Um, sounds like locally, it's selling it locally. What made you make that jump from saying, wow, this is great. And even to like saying the, the rest of the world needs to taste this, but then also making that another leap to saying that, let me, let me be the one to start a business to, to get this out to the world. How did you make that, that kind of jump? That's a good question. One thing I, and you mentioned this briefly, we have, we have a couple of birth dates. Uh, 2018 is when we launched, but uh, actually as a concept, this actually launched uh, conceptually. This trip took place in 2008. And so at the time, this was plant-based wasn't a thing. It was vegan, uh, very niche space. And, and anything that wasn't a meat turkey was, was really considered weird, I would say, at that point. And uh, at the time, I was working at a corporate job, uh, and I, I actually knew nothing about the food business at all. Um, but I just knew that we had, I felt like this is a great product. Uh, I loved the product and I felt like it could reach a mass audience, uh, in general. And so that's when, um, uh, you know, I, I did, did I know that, you know, today we'd be where we're at? No, but I, I, I love the product so much. And I believe that this is something that, 
uh, was not only good for, you know, vegetarians and, and vegans at the time, but I felt like uh, it would broadly be accepted as a really good snack. And that was not only good, but also healthy. And so that's when um, I decided to, you know, while I loved working at this corporate job, uh, uh, I, I felt like I just had this itch where I wanted to, I needed something more satisfying. Um, and so that's when I decided to take that leap into, uh, this business. And, um, I think what really helped me actually take the leap also was that I actually did this as a side hustle for a number of years, um, as a concept. And so I would work full time and then work on, uh, uh, what it was like to actually launch a food business on the side. And that kind of allowed me uh, while it took a lot, you know, took more time and effort, uh, it kind of allowed me to self-fund and to figure out how to how to get off the ground uh, at such an early stage. And, you know, using the income I was getting from this full-time job, uh, I was really able to to fund that those initial stages, which tend to take a long time and also are very expensive. Um, and so that that I think that combination really helped me uh, ease my way into launching uh, the 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 business we have today. Yeah, so 2008, basically 10 years or a decade in between this this spark of an idea into a side also into more of a full-time business. I think this is a, a, a path that others might want to take either because they want to – uh, self-funded or maybe they're just, you know, they don't have a high tolerance for taking a risk by jumping right in. Talk to us more about like what was the the kind of day-to-day like during that time where you're working a full-time job and doing this on the side? It's not easy. I mean, I, I, I uh, you know, the pros are obviously that, uh, you know, like a lot of startups, I wasn't, um, you know, I wasn't out fundraising necessarily. And, uh, you know, I had, I had some a little bit of a safety net a bit, right. To, to go on this, this new thing. And, and like I said, I don't, I don't understate this, that I, I had not been in the food business. Uh, I knew nothing about it. My background is actually in engineering. Um, went to school at the university of Illinois, uh, in Urbana-Champaign for electrical engineering, engineering degree. And so my background was actually more, uh, in the in engineering technical side of things. And so, um, you know, what that really did was it helped, uh, this, this position of, of, you know, having this fairly steady job, uh, really funded a lot of those growth and learning pains that I, I needed to go through on how to start a, not only, you know, just becoming an entrepreneur and starting that journey, but also how, you know, the specifics of what I need, uh, to run a food business. And so, uh, very, very challenging because, you know, ultimately you're, uh, you know, you're working full-time job and a lot of times those jobs end up, uh, encompassing more hours than, you know, nine to five. And, and, uh, but you, you, you know, this initial stages that I was in, you just have this drive and desire to really, uh, to figure it out. And so any extra time that I had was, uh, very much focused on how to, how to get this product launched and ultimately, um, into consumers' hands. And so there are sacrifices that you made, especially in terms of free time and so on. But, um, you know, the, the trade-off is that I was able to at least fund it uh, with my own dollars, uh, you know, at, right, at, right at the beginning of the, this concept. Um, at such an early stage when, you know, plant-based wasn't as big as it is today, it's, uh, it was very niche at the time. Yeah, I, I'm assuming during this time, too, like you're looking around at your friends and colleagues, they're probably not doing the same thing you're doing, people maybe investing in a down payment on a house on their retirement, and you're pouring all this money into a a, a business. Did you ever look around and think like, man, maybe I'm, maybe I'm like crazy and like doing the wrong thing while everyone is, you know, living their life differently? Did you ever have, kind of have that those thoughts in your mind? Absolutely. I mean, I, sometimes I still have that today. I mean, we're still very much on this uh, journey today even, and uh, uh, it's hard. It's hard not to, you know, a lot of it, I was prepared for initially when I started this, I was prepared for a lot of the, you know, just the logistics and just challenges financially that you, you go into the business. But a lot of it, um, a lot of things that I, I really didn't realize I would have to be ready for was just the emotional and psychological side. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, you're right. It's seeing other people live, you know, being able to go take trips. It's being able to see other people, um, you know, focused on other things. And while you're, you know, you're worried about, uh, I don't know, farmer's market that you have to go to to go sell product or you have to worry about, uh, you know, these 
how do I, what's my marketing message that I want to con, you know, convey our products with. And, and uh, it, it, you end up, yeah, you end up seeing a lot of that and you have to have a lot of discipline um, to stay focused uh, and also prioritize. But, you know, like a lot of people say is, you know, when you find your something you love so much and you want to, you want to see you succeed. I mean, ultimately that has to uh, really provide that core desire to, to focus on, on growing your business. And luckily I found that um, uh, with this product and this, um, this product I wanted to bring to market. And not only that, but I think being, I think also being ready uh, as a person and just where I was in my life. Um, I'd worked at this engineering job for probably 10 years and, you know, I learned a lot from a lot of really great people and smart people. Um, but I was just at the right place where I was just itching for something that I was truly passionate about. And, uh, you know, that really gets you through those early stages and, and how I was able to dedicate more time into a side hustle. Yeah, and especially something that, that spans um, over a decade, there's this this thought about how do you make sure that you're not burning out? And I think people's interests, their, even their passions kind of change uh, pretty drastically, especially over, over again, over, over a decade. Um, how, how do you know, for you, how, how are you able to identify that what's fueling you to move forward is this passion rather than um, you know, some other maybe extrinsic reason to, to run a business. How do you identify that? You know what, this is the quote unquote right reason that I'm still spending a lot of my th- th- early days that you're spending a lot of your time and money into, into it and, and keeping it going. That's a great question. I mean, I think it's, it's probably very personal to each person, but I think, I don't know how to say this in, in a, the right words, but you, you kind of, you just, you just know. And people say a lot of times when you live and breathe your business, um, you know, when they start something off, they, you do end up truly living and breathing your business. And um, I think for me, that was that was when I, I kind of knew. I knew that not only did I, I feel it was always on my mind at the time, I, I felt like it was just something that, you know, outside of my work hours and, and you know, admittedly, even during, during my normal work hours, I had this this itch and this thing in my head that I had this is an amazing opportunity. It was an amazing product that needed to get into more hands. Uh, it would help people uh, who were looking for products like this. And um, ultimately they, I felt like we had a solution for them that this is something that would help uh, people reduce their meat consumption, whether it's environmental or whether it's through uh, they want to eat healthier and so on. And I just felt it. I felt that all the time. And um, that's how I knew. That's how I knew. I don't know if that's what everyone else uh, goes through, but that's ultimately what, uh, yeah, what I literally got. It sounds cheesy, but what I literally would get up for every day and also stay up late to work on. Yeah, you know, and speaking of this, this itch and this like constantly on your mind, like you mentioned, even during work hours, did you find that during this time of working both the the side business at the time and your and your full time job that it was balanced or was it like sprints of focusing on the day job versus sprints of focusing on a side business? Like how how balanced or how chaotic was it? I would say it had it had, was a balance. I mean, I took I, I was very I took my job seriously, of course, and I I was felt responsible for obviously delivering uh, what I needed on my full-time job. So it was definitely a balance. Uh, and, you know, luckily I was able to squeeze enough hours out and, and, um, and ultimately what gets sacrificed is time. I mean, I, like, like I don't have a story where I started this on, uh, you know, one night and then like, you know, four months later or a year later, I'm off, off and running. My story is a decade old and, and that's, um, or longer. And so, you know, finding, I chose to, to find that balance so that I could deliver on what I was uh, supposed to be, you know, doing at my full-time job and, and whatever other time I could squeeze out, that's, that's what I, I would do to, to work on the side business. And, um, you know, that equated to, you know, roughly whatever, six to 10 years of, of work on the side that added up to today. Yeah. When, when you are kind of short on time because of a day job, what, do, what did you find was like the best use of your time, especially in the early days when you're trying to get things off the ground? Like what were you, what were some things to look back on and realize, wow, I'm glad I spent time on that or I wish I spent more time on, on you know, this particular function in the business? That's a good question. I think, especially even today as a startup, I mean, you're, you are, you are resource uh, constrained. Well, that, that's time and time and money. Right. And so 
Uh, luckily for the money side, at least at that time, it was solved by having the side business. I was able to, you know, funnel some some money into into the work that's needed to launch. Um, and then for time, I mean, I think you and, this, and again, this still applies today. You have to be very ruthless in terms of what you prioritize. Um, you know, being uh, it, it's really easy, and 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 especially I think entrepreneurs tend to be pretty scatterbrained and. Um, I have to constantly remind myself, even today, that I have to stay focused on what's needed a bit while keeping the big picture in mind, uh, really ruthlessly prioritizing what you need because your time is always going to be limited, even side hustle or non-side hustle. And so, you know, at that time, I think I, I wish I would have realized that a little bit more and made sure that I did focus on the things that were important. Um, and so early on, it was, how do I, what's the product I need? What is the brand? Um, uh, and and I would tend to get scatterbrained a little bit and start then looking at maybe a little too far in advance. Like who would I want to sell to down the road when I didn't even have a really a product and a viable way to produce and get the product out to the market. And so I think that's just the danger that, you know, in hindsight, I wish I would have seen that a little more and I, I may have been able to uh, save more of my time, but uh, yeah, ultimately that's what added up to, you know, 10 years of experience to learn that. Yeah, and I think you know it's one thing to to be ruthless about the prioritization that you're talking about. I want to get back into how back in a bit to talk about how you do that. But I think even before that, you have to know what is that next step that's in front of you. How are you able to identify that? You know, it's like you mentioned that it sounded like you're able to to at least recognize that. Okay, thinking about who I want to sell to down the line or what retailers I want to get into when you don't have a, a, a product, even any customers yet is, is, you know, obviously, you know, the right, the, there's one the right thing to focus on than the other, but uh, is there something that you do to make sure that you know, what is the next step so that you can focus on the next step rather than, you know, 10 steps ahead? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there's, and again, I still do this today. Um, but you know, it's keeping, I think one really important thing that I think a lot of people should consider is uh, it's not only just setting goals of what you want. So I think that's typically that gets, uh, I think that gets communicated to, uh, to people quite a bit or is taught, you know, obviously you want to, what's your goal? What's your goal for the next month, three months, five months, year? Where do you want to see this end up going at some point? Uh, but also, you know, keeping in mind what what is your mission? What are you, what are you really in this for? Um, and I think that actually helps strip down a lot of, uh, the things that may not actually be important right now. Um, and so I think establishing that mission uh, as early as possible, along with, um, you know, figuring that out and then kind of de- determining, well, how do I get there as quick as possible? Um, it starts with that mission and then you're able to dissect, all right, well, this is important. This is important to get there. Actually, this is really important. Great. I'll focus on that. Um, I think that's that, in my opinion, is, is quite helpful. I, honestly, we still do that today. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I would love to make this a little bit more tangible. Can you give us an idea of, or maybe even state us, say to us, like, what is the mission that you're on and like how you've been able to actually tactically break it down to, to the things that you need to do today or this week? Yeah, I mean, uh, so our, our mission is to, we, we want to reduce meat consumption by offering satisfying, nutritious, delicious, delicious foods made from mushrooms. And so, um, you know, one, I'll, an example is, and we get asked this, we've been asked this a lot, even throughout our, even today still, you know, uh, and I think a, a trap that perhaps people get into is, you know, well, uh, you know, as entrepreneurs, we want to create so many things, right. And so many different types of things. And, um, we get asked all the time, are you, well, are you going to make a jerky out of, uh, I don't know, out of uh, fruits? Are you going to make a jerky out of like, a tomato or something. And, uh, you know, we could have easily started playing around with, you know, products like that, or just different types of products that, uh, that we, you know, we're interested in or because we're curious, but you know, when you, when you hone in on that, it's, it, it stripped all that down, right. We, we want to make, uh, use mushrooms, uh, to help reduce meat consumption. So, you know, that's just an example of, yeah, we didn't, we didn't go and create some other type of turkey out of, another fruit or whatever, or another vegetable. Um, it allowed us to focus specifically on mushrooms. And then from that, you know, what kind of products at some point uh, that are, you know, meet those criteria being very satisfying. They're, they got to be nutritious. We of course want them to be delicious. And that kind of helps narrow down, you know, even the ingredients that you choose. Um, 
you know, we make very conscious decisions into what goes in our product. And so because we want it to be nutritious and, uh, you know, we, we really strive for very simple, very simple ingredients and also uh, push for ingredients that you can pronounce. Uh, and, and, you know, flavor profiles, we, we aren't out there to try to do weird, necessarily weird flavors. We want to have really good, delicious flavors that, that we release so that, you know, a lot of people, uh, will, of course find them delicious. So those are just, to me, those are examples that, that, you know, keep us on track. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think the important thing here is that I think we think about the, the word goals and we think about, when we think about trying to work towards our goals, we think about how can we throw as many things as possible to, so to we move closer to the goal, but you're almost saying like treat your goal as like a, a filter, as a way for you to put things against. And if it doesn't actually contribute towards the goal, then you have to be ruthless about cutting it out. So I want to talk a little bit about this, this, um, this ruthless prioritization you talked about. Cause I think it's easy to sit down, you know, at, at your, in your office or in a warehouse, wherever you are getting your, getting your work done for your, for your business and get kind of sucked up into the day and being pulled into one thing or the other. And before you know it, at the end of the day, you're like, wow, what did, what happened with my day? So do you have a routine, especially at the beginning of the day or the day before to make sure that you can be strategic about how you spend, spend your days? Yeah, I do. And, and admittedly, I, it's, I will say this, I don't have this. I don't think I, I, I want to preface this by saying I don't have it all figured out. I mean, I think it's everyone has a different routine based off of their uh, structure, their team, their funding, uh, how far along with you. And, and, you know, the reality is that as a startup, um, you're going to be, you have to wear so many hats. Uh, it's very difficult and almost, it's really impossible to just, you know, really get it, um, stay focused. It's, it's really the nature of the beast is, is you have, there's so many things you have to worry about, especially early on. Uh, and even still today that, that it's really hard to get this prioritization done. But what I've, what I've recently started doing that's helped me personally is that, uh, you know, keeping all the goals and, and the mission in mind, I try to start off with three things I want to get accomplished. I try to strip it all down. And here are three things that uh, I end the day with that I want to try to accomplish tomorrow. And I, I, I kind of go to bed with that. And then I wake up to that uh, prepared to try to take on three accomplishable things. Does that always happen? Admittedly not. Uh, but uh, it kind of helps you focus day to day uh, what's really important um, that I'm, I really want to get done. And then, uh, again, like I said, I think no matter what, you're always going to be faced with just all these other things you have to end up doing. And they may, they're going to creep in on you every day. Uh, and you'll have to work on those things. But uh, at least you know kind of what those three things or what, what I, I go in knowing what three things I really want to try to make sure get done, uh, actually get done. Makes sense. Now, during this uh, this span, again, from from the side business to a full-time business, do you remember any particular inflection points that that took it closer that made kind of like, uh, like a huge step towards becoming more of a full-time thing? Yeah, uh, and this is kind of the rest of my, also the rest of our, our origin story and why we have two birthdays. So, like I said, I, I worked full-time uh, engineering background, worked my way through a number of different product development and engineering management roles. Uh, again, I was learned a lot, but wasn't fully satisfied with the, with the career. And I knew that I wanted to, I wanted to get into entrepreneurship and into a startup. Um, and so I've been doing this pantos and jerky on the side for a number of years. And uh, luckily I was able to actually um, jump full-time into another startup uh, that was a tech startup uh, that I, that I worked on with friends, uh, for a few years and from 2012 to about 2016. And, um, you know, what I did was with the, with pans is I, I continued to operate on the side business. Um, but at the time, this other, this other venture was, um, we'd raised some money. So we were able to get uh, actual salary from it. Uh, and, and we're also going through some, uh, just kind of our, our, all of our, first experiences in terms of starting a business, uh, with a team. And so, uh, in hindsight, uh, we, we actually did not get as big as we wanted to, but we did end up selling that business and which was great. But, um, while the downsides were that I continued to work on pans on the side and, and it made my, our launch real launch, you know, longer, it took another three to four years where I continued to do it as a side hustle. Um, in hindsight, I'm really glad I did it. And uh, the reason is because I think what I didn't realize, I really didn't realize what I didn't know until I actually started working on a startup uh, business. 
And so I was really able to cut my teeth a bit on what it's like to start from the ground up uh, on a new business. And I think that, that uh, I, I hate to call it distraction, but this kind of uh, this new full-time job that continued to push my food businesses on the back burner uh, was actually ultimately beneficial because I was able to learn what it, what it really took to get a business off the ground. Um, and yeah, I'm really thankful for that despite having to delay uh, pans even longer. So that was one, that was one tipping point. And once that business wrapped up, I was like, I was actually really prepared to jump all in. I felt like it wasn't such a leap anymore. I was like, all right, I'm used to uh, working in a, in, in a startup uh, world and uh, I can get jump full time to this. So that was one one inflection point. The second um, actually was market timing. Actually, and again, do I wish my story was like a year old? And you know, we were already starting. We launched. We're you know, making so much uh, sales and so on right away. I don't have that story. And um, in hindsight, uh, even though I started this in two thousand eight. I don't know that the market was actually ready at that time for a product like ours. Uh, vegan was very, very niche still. Uh, natural was still kind of growing in general. Um, and so uh, it was actually pretty early uh, now that I look back on it. And so funny enough, when I, when I started launching this full time uh, in 2018, the market was actually changed so much since then. And it was actually ready for it at the time. Uh, vegan was now turning into plant-based and luckily there are other food companies that were, uh, creating, you know, this plant-based world, uh, and it was becoming more mainstream. Uh, in addition to that, uh, mushrooms were actually starting to become more popular. It was more about, you know, in the past, it's always been about mushrooms in the uh, produce aisle. How do I, what kind of mushrooms can I put in my salad and so on, or in my toppings. And at that time, mushrooms were starting to be uh, looked at as a superfood and getting recognition for that. And how do I get more mushrooms in my diet, whether that's through a drink or whether that's through a snack? Uh, so it was starting to, you know, people were starting to turn around to the idea that I need to get more mushrooms in my diet. How do I do that? Uh, that's not just on top of my salad. And then lastly, you know, even jerky and snacking in general uh, continues to be more popular uh, because people are on the go uh, more and more. And so we're always looking, uh, people are always looking for, just convenient on the go snacks. And, uh, there's just more awareness in general about trying to get healthy options for that. And, and luckily those kind of three large, um, trends all collided to actually when I was fully ready to work on, uh, pans full time. And so th those are two pretty key inflection points for, uh, for us. Yeah. That's amazing. Amazing story about how there's this like preparation opportunity, uh, meeting again for the second, second attempt. And other than these kind of market forces, did you, did you personally do anything differently in this, in this second attempt, the things that you, lessons learned or, or just an approach that you took differently the second time around? Yeah, I, I would say, I would say definitely learning what it was like when you don't, when you don't have focus, uh, and, and a mission that's clear for us. Um, and so I think that that was one, um, I mean, it goes back to kind of the prioritization, what you're trying to do. Um, if, if everyone's not on the same page with limited resources, um, it, it becomes challenging very quickly because you're, you're scattered and you don't have the resources to do everything. Um, and so I think that was something that I, I learned, uh, quite a bit when, when I, I did this first previous startup. Um, and I, I, and again, I don't want to understate the, just the, the psychological, emotional side too, and how, you know, what it's like to really push forward through adversity and challenges, because there's no question you will have challenge after challenge after challenge that you'll have to figure out. And, and luckily I was kind of getting used to that, um, that mindset, uh, that I had to have. And so I think having that mindset going into working on pants full time, uh, really helped us uh, and still helps me today. And, and not only that, I would say lastly is that, um, you know, again, I, I, I joke about this, but I threw an engineering degree away to work in a very unscalable or not a very easily scalable business, like a food business. But uh, I'm really proud and happy that I, I did go and get an engineering background because ultimately what, you know, and, and my education I was that I was lucky to have at, at University of Illinois, um, you know, help. You're, you're, there's no, you're, you're always having to solve problems. Uh, through this 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 journey, and I think it really helped me. Um, that mindset also, that experience also helped me uh, 
figure out all the challenges that uh, I went through and, and, and are still going through today. Hey, real quick, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think or what you'd like to hear more of. Now, let's get back to the interview. Awesome. So, you know, speaking of, um, of of focus, you there was a time where, as again, I'm assuming when the market forces changed everything, where the demand for pans outpaced your production capabilities. Talk to us more about what happened. Yeah, and and that that is that has been a challenge, honestly, since we started, and it's really difficult to get that right balance of, uh, uh, you know how much you need to make and, and what the market is ultimately asking for and, and, and buying. Um, and I will say that our recent experiences where we went through, we were very lucky enough to be on uh, Shark Tank uh, in 2020. Uh, it really was a, a big taste of that um, where we were quickly in a, in a great way uh, overwhelmed with uh, the response that we got from our episode in Shark Tank. And uh, we had to, we had to figure that out fairly recently. How do we, um, how do we meet uh, the demand that ebbs and flows naturally with uh, with such a fast changing environment? And, and we're honestly still learning that today. Um, but I, I'll just say that you know I don't think it's I don't think there's a silver bullet. And this is where I, I uh, kind of goes back again, not to harp on it, but it's 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 prioritizing and, and really problem solving uh, how to do that. Uh, and that that happens almost every moment of the day. Uh, what do we need? What can we do with the resources we have to meet the demand? And that could be anywhere from, you know, hiring the right people. Uh, it starts with people first. How you know what team you have to help accomplish that. Um, and then obviously there are more specifics that that we have been working on, which is, uh, of course, how do we change our operations? How do we change the way we make this to make this a bit more scalable uh, going forward? And so those are all things that we had to go through, uh, and we still are going through, um, especially after Shark Tank. Yeah, definitely. We'll talk about that that Shark Tank experience. So tell us more about how uh, you were able to to get on the show. Yeah, so um, we were very fortunate that we we had the opportunity because, and this is during the as the pandemic was starting as well. Uh, we had been approached by um, their team because they had seen our product uh, at a Whole Foods in in LA, and so that that kind of started the conversation, uh, which we we're very lucky to have. And, um, that's how, that's how it came across. And, you know, we went through the process of, uh, of course, uh, getting on the show and, um, and luckily we, we ended up getting through all the, you know, getting through all the stages where we were able to present, I think it was November 20th, 2020, uh, we were able to air on Shark Tank, but, uh, it wasn't easy as you're managing a business, you're, you know, you're having to weigh going through that, going through that process along with uh, managing your business, but we, we were lucky to, uh, go through it. Do you remember exactly the the day that it, that it it aired in late 2020? Like how, what was going on with the site? Like was the site just getting slammed with with orders? Like what was going on? Do you remember that night? Yeah, it's it's a blur. I hope to one day be able to <laughs> enjoy it and look back on it and, and look at some of the footage. But uh, yeah, so we aired on November 20th, 2020, and um, you know, I like a lot of people. I'm just a, I'm a fan also, and you know, I watch from my couch. I, I critique myself from the deals and, you know, uh, watching, you know, all these great entrepreneurs get on the carpet. And, uh, so I, I, I very much fan to actually being on the show is quite the experience, but, um, uh, I didn't know what to expect. I mean, I knew that we would get visibility. I knew that people would hopefully, uh, order after they saw us. Um, but I, I had no idea what to expect in terms of orders and, and, um, you know, how much we'd get from, from the show. And we ended up getting about a million dollars worth of orders in I think four days. Wow. And I quickly learned that that was a lot. <laughs> that was, that was, that was quite a bit. And, um, and so we were very, very fortunate. I think people, um, obviously again, speaks to the market that people are more, are very open and looking for products, uh, that reduce their meat consumption. And, and we also happen to have a very uh, positive episode in general. The sharks loved it. Um, and, uh, you know, we had a bit of drama too. If, if you watch the episode, I was, yeah. I was put on the, the infamous, uh, clock, which I think added to it as well. And, and, uh, very fortunate that we got the response that we, that we had from, from the audience and also from the sharks as well and getting, you know, landing a great partner, Mark Cuban, uh, as well. And, and so, yeah, that night was a bit surreal. I've never, um, 
I don't know if I can ever replicate that, but uh, it was in, incredible to get thirty, you know, roughly thirty-five thousand dollars or thirty-five thousand orders, uh, equated to about a million in sales, and um, and and luckily we we got together our team uh, got together that night um, and and watched the episode and, and kind of watched it unfold as it was going. And and mind you, I I did not know, I had no idea what to expect. I I remember the experience of pitching. But to seeing it edited and 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 on TV, very surreal, uh, more dramatic. I mean, it was dramatic in person, but it was pretty. It was very dramatic on just watching it as well. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like almost like an hour squeezed down to like five minutes, right? What is that like about what your experience was? I don't even know how long it, the pitch was, but yeah. it was yeah, it was somewhere around that, and and stripped down to about fifteen minutes of of the show. And yeah, I was very fortunate to watch it with my team. We all loved it, um, and then it was we enjoyed the night a little bit to kind of uh, seeing these orders come through and we took about a day to kind of enjoy it and recover. And then we were back to work. How do we, now we have to actually fill these orders. And, um, and that was, that was the challenge in front of us. How do we scale our business? How do we scale our operations? Uh, who do we need to hire uh, to get, um, yeah, get these orders up. But we're again, very lucky, very fortunate for the opportunity and, and uh, we're happy to see the response. And after that, I'm, there's that spike, the one million dollars uh, worth of sales. I think uh, in four days, was there like, just a new baseline uh, established at that point where just it didn't dip beneath this moving forward? Well, I, I would say um, that was definitely uh, it was a spike uh, for us. Uh, it, you know, I think there's a normal number that um, that we do have now that wasn't that. Uh, but that being said, we you know we obviously gained a large amount of customers that, um, and new, new people that knew about our products. And so they are, you know, they're customers today, uh, still a lot of them. And, um, you know, that, that's what the show does. It really, it, it, it's really, uh, hard to find another opportunity that, that markets so many people, uh, so quickly. Yeah. Um, but no, our, our sales aren't, a, I, yeah, I, I wish I could say that, but no, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that was definitely a spike. And also side, side note, uh, we weren't sure what platform to use and what would actually handle the traffic um, that we, that from the show. And, and we were very fortunate that this, the site stayed up. We continue to get orders and, and um, yeah, we were lucky that we were on the Shopify, Shopify platform uh, at the time. So it, it went pretty smoothly. Yeah, that's great to hear. So I think it it it, it sounded like you experienced the the stress test of uh, whether you could keep up with the demand with production. Um, but was there anything else that you were maybe caught off guard or surprised by that you realized had had to also kind of scale up because you just just couldn't handle the demand? Like maybe listeners out there aren't going to have the same kind of spike. But what are some things beyond just production uh, that you need to think about scaling up as your business grows? Yeah, I would actually say a big one was uh, customer service. Um, you know, at the time we had been, uh, and I think a lot of people starting off should and will, um, you know, manage their their inbox, whether that's, I think most people will be on email, uh, you know, um, messages you get through the website. And, um, you know, ours, ours is a bit extreme, I would say, in terms of how much volume we got in so little time. But uh, we, we quickly found out we had to manage a... Uh, customers, right? Um, and you know, we we know that that's important to us. We want to make sure every customer is taken care of. And and there are little things that um, that I think we didn't expect that we would have to quickly figure out. And uh, so anything from you know my shipping address is wrong. Hey, our order is wrong. We'd love to get this flavor instead. Oh, can we? Um, uh, can I get this as a present? How long is shipping? And and we also happened to air right before Christmas uh, and, and Thanksgiving. And so we had a lot of people who come through who wanted to buy presents uh, for, for other people. And so, you know, managing those questions, I think is something we underestimated. Um, and we realized that uh, pretty quickly uh, that we needed some help. And so we, we immediately got, uh, uh, we're lucky to still have them today as some, some customer service people to help manage uh, just the inbound uh, questions that we had. Did did that mean uh, not just like hiring more people? Or did you have to put like systems in place that you didn't have before? Or what were some of the changes you have to make to support the larger scale of uh, customers? I think it became apparent also that you know there were opportunities to save time and also to have the same message. And so we, um, you know, we took some time to figure out. Okay, hey, here are the common questions that we get. Okay, what do we? I think there's one answer that we 
to have. We don't have to replicate the same, you know, answer every time. And so we figured out how to, um, I hate to say templatize, but we found the right messaging that was common amongst us so we can communicate clearly to, clearly to our customers. Uh, we were able to do that um, a bit faster versus, you know, someone literally typing a message every time. Uh, and um, I would say the other thing is, you know, quickly had to uh, addressing it by updating our FAQ site. And so there are common questions that we didn't think about beforehand. Um, and we luckily we're able to quickly go on, you know, our, our webpage and uh, create a FAQ form that, um, that you know, uh, answer common questions, uh, you know, and creating, uh, you know, ways to communicate to customers, hey, if you have these questions, here's a link to our FAQ page. So you can learn about uh, how to solve this problem and, and so on. And so I think those are, those are things that um, uh, we were able to do, you know, pretty quick to kind of uh, decrease the workload. And I would say some other things also were just um, that, you know, these are all customers that you're going to get new customers most likely. And, and so doing things like, uh, you know, making sure we uh, obviously provide the opportunity for them to uh, leave their emails in case we needed to communicate with them, whether it's, uh, you know, new deals, new offers, new new discounts we offer all the way to just you want to keep up with our news. Um, you know, we were, it's something that we were, we were very focused on making sure that we could capture their information uh, if they wanted to, so that we can, you know, communicate with them going forward after the show. Yeah. So uh, one thing that you mentioned too about as, as um, things are scaling up was around having to, uh, be better at saying no. And I think it's specifically around when the demand outpaced the production, um, figuring out what, what kind of business to say no to. Say, tell us more about that. What, what kind of business were you, were you having to say no to? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I won't get into, um, say full details on that, but you know, I think there are just opportunities out there that, uh, depending on where you are, that a lot of it has to do with financials. And, you know, of course, like you said, it has to do with what you're able to produce, um, you have to prioritize uh, who gets what. So if we're only able to, to let's just, as an example, create a thousand units of something uh, and you have a demand for, let's say 5,000, um, you know, you have, we had to make decisions on who gets prioritized first. And, you know, I think one thing we, we tried to do obviously was, you know, focus on people order from Shark Tank. That was a big one for us to make sure we, uh, provided them product and, and the right communication on in terms of when products to get to them. Uh, but also our existing customers that we have uh, had long relationships with that helped build, get our business to where it is today. Um, you know, making sure that they were prioritized uh, as high as possible uh, so that we could make sure that they, uh, you know, they get product as well. Um, and, I, and I think it comes down to, you know, obviously ultimately just communication with each uh, whatever group that you prioritize, um, you know, if we couldn't take the business yet, you know, making sure that we, you know, it's clear that we are interested in working with them, but we just may have to wait until we can, um, you know, increase our capacity or figure out what we need to scale up. And, and a lot of times, obviously it's no one ever wants to say no and to, to business, but, um, it's, it's in hindsight, it, it actually turned out well that we were able, they, they trusted us. They, understood where, what, why we were going through challenges and they appreciated uh, us communicating, communicating to them uh, why we needed to wait potentially. There's also other things to consider in terms of, you know, uh, more details of like margin. You know, some opportunities may make more sense in terms of for your business uh, to focus on in terms of, um, you know, what margin you get. And for us, cash flow is very, very important. It's how we you know, run our business. And so, you know, there may be opportunities out there that uh, may make sense from a marketing perspective, but if you're if you're cash flow uh, hungry, which most people are, uh, you may want to focus on uh, maybe less marketing opportunities, but but opportunities that actually provide uh, cash that you need to run the business. And so, those are just all examples of you know different things. I think we had to weigh uh, against each other to figure out you know who gets who gets what. Yeah. And I, th I think it's easy as an entrepreneur to be like, let me go after every opportunity that's out there. Uh, but you mentioned to us about the, there's consequences to overcommitting and that overcommitting can be more damaging in some cases. Tell us more about that. Like, Why why not say yes to everything? What, what's the actual damage that cause, that's caused from um, saying yes to more than you can, can handle? 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think and we again we still I say we still um, have to manage that today. I mean, it's this delicate balance of um, you know we want to continue growing, we we want to continue seizing opportunities, we want to we want to work with new partners that we think would be a great fit, and and ultimately uh, the real reason is we we can reach more customers and people. Um, that we think we can uh, provide such a great product to. And um, so I think there's, there's that, that's always what we want, but um, on the flip side is is that, and we learned, we've learned this through experience um, is, you know, it's a delicate balance, right? You you do want to uh, reach those markets, but uh, you're really not doing anyone a favor if you don't deliver. And so we, we always have to kind of tread lightly, tread carefully that, um, you know, we want to be aggressive, but we can't be too aggressive where we, you know, we, um, uh, miss a launch or we, we're, you know, we're missing deadlines that, uh, a customer may need our product by, and we're not able to hit it. And then no one's left happy and you have a damaged relationship with someone that, um, uh, that you may not, you have to work really hard or you may never get back. Um, and so, you know, it's just that that relationship is very important, and we we, we want to you want to build that relationship so that they trust you. That uh, and ultimately, you fill their needs. Right? They need to sell product, or they they need to uh, get a product to someone else in a by a certain amount of time. And if and if you don't uh, help them do that, then neither of you are are successful. Um, but again, it is it is challenging, especially early on, to time all that right. And so it's 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 definitely treading a balance of being aggressive, you know, having a goal and a target to hit, uh, while not over committing is, is I think a, a, a balance that you probably face, will face. Um, we face early on and we still face today. Mm. I want to talk about, about the, the website. So you had mentioned that, um, a lot of traffic coming there on the, the night of, uh, the shark tank. Ha, did you have to create like a special like landing page or anything for, for that, for that, that, that premiere, like what kind of changes have you made to the site that have had, that have been helpful for, for conversions? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, we definitely, and luckily we had a Mark's team help us kind of navigate what it was like to launch, especially before uh, an area like that, which was very helpful. And, and also, you know, talking to other entrepreneurs and startups that have gone through that experience. And um, yeah, I think one thing was to, uh, you know, make sure you're able to uh, uh, communicate with customers that come to your website uh, if they want to, if they want to. So, um, you know, something that we, uh, like a lot of people do is they, they typically put up, you know, a pop-up or some sort of uh, display that uh, welcomes uh, new people. So like in our case, uh, Shark Tank, we knew would, would happen and we knew a lot of people would be driven to the site from that. So, you know, very personalized, uh, message that uh thanked people for um for visiting from the show uh as well as offering you know hey uh thanks for visiting us we'd love for you to try this uh, now that you've seen this on the show so figure out our, our discounts and and incentives we want to offer for people to try was a, was a big a big big thing that we've uh worked through and then uh also i mentioned this before but yeah how do we how do we um if you want to continue following us or following our brand, whether it's from purchase or whether it's this general news, making sure it's easy for them to uh, leave their information uh, to, to get that info so we can communicate with them. So um, providing this kind of landing page and, and, and a pop-up, welcoming them a place to leave their email uh, was something that we, we really tried to make sure we did early on. And any apps that you recommend to do that or any other apps that you use on the website? Oh, that's a good one. I'd have to look at that one. I don't remember what we used for our pop-ups. I think it was, uh, I don't remember. I don't know if I can answer that one, actually. Um, I can certainly follow up later, but there were there are a number of apps out there that that allow you to easily uh, create those, um, those kind of pop-ups and, and landing pages. Mm-hmm. I, I'd say the other apps that helped us a lot were, uh, you know, uh, keeping reviews and, and displaying reviews. So we used... Uh, we use Stamp.io right now to uh, display our reviews and allow people to leave reviews as well. Um, and that's a big one. Uh, another one that we we tried to do use as well was uh, um, reorder points. So people want to uh, just have a subscription and reorder over and over again. Um, I think we use an app called Bold uh, 
I believe, to to capture. Uh, if if they are a customer, they're allowed to reorder. Um, you know, every month if you want to, every two months or whatever they want, uh, they're able to set that on our site very easily to um, make sure they they consistently get reorders that happen to go to the site every time they um, they want an order. And then I think the other some of the other ones that we also had other apps that I, I recommend as well were some back in stock uh, uh, apps. And so, for instance, for us, we we went out of stock after four days, and uh, but we continued to get traffic and people who wanted the product. And so we set up some apps uh, to capture their email uh, in case the customer wanted to know when we're back in stock. And we were able to you know quickly do that and capture emails. And then once we were able to keep, catch up with production, uh, we were able to quickly email them and notify uh, them when we're back in stock. And so I think those are some a handful of, of of apps that we were able to utilize and still utilize today. Awesome. So mushroomjerky.com is the website. I'll leave you with this last question. Uh, what, what do you think is the most important thing for you to focus on uh, to take the business to the next level over the next year? Yeah, I think the, the one of the biggest things that uh, today that I'm I'm focused on uh, to get to the next level is that uh, is really getting a the right people around me and and specifically a team. Um, this is I'm kind of for my story. Uh, and I started off as a as a solo and uh, entrepreneur doing this as a side hustle. Uh, and now I'm learning what it's like to actually build my team up uh, at a different scale and different size. And so I think um, one thing that we're focused on right now is, is uh, I'm very proud of how we got here today uh, and, and the people who have helped build this up um, uh, up to this point. But now we, we know that we need help and we need a, a good team to take us to that next level. And um, that's what I'm, I'm very excited about. And so far, it's been uh, we've hired some really great people um, this year already. Uh, that I think are helping us get to the next level. And I think that work will always continue uh, even going forward. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experience and your advice, Michael. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Shopify Masters, the e-commerce podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs powered by Shopify.